Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Today we will talk about drinking and cussing. <laughs> Just there's that, something about saying that <laughs> differently, drinking and cussing. I've been waiting for this episode for my whole life. Holy, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can validate drinking somehow. No, I'm kidding. So, um, uh, <laughs> we um, in in the world that I and, and others uh, or you all, I'm sure, have grown up in, um, the idea of drinking was a no-no, and um, and it was it goes back and forth, and we'll venture down these roads of, of Jesus and and there being wine in the Bible and things like that, and why was there wine and why were they drinking and drinking drinking? There's no G on the end of that. <laughs> Drink why, it. <laughs> why were they drinking and um, and we can't and things like that? So, um, Everett, what was your experience with drinking? And I guess I should add on to the end of this alcohol. Uh, I haven't said that yet, but it's kind of drinking. It's just kind of assumed in our Oklahoma culture. So, Everett, what was your experience with drinking <laughs> back then? So, yeah, so I didn't grow up in a household that was, uh, um, you know, teetotalers. Um, <laughs> right. They, you know, so I grew up in a household that modeled um, responsible oh. drinking. Um, but, I, I mean, certainly as part of the culture, um, you know, the whole notion of, of, of drinking was, um, and now I'm going to drop that G every time. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but that certainly was part of the, the wider culture approach to, um, to alcohol. I, I remember going to a wedding and the, the minister was at a, at a Baptist church and the minister said, you know, the first act of this married couple is to share communion with one another. And, you know, Jesus took a cup of grape juice. Well, <laughs> it could have been wine. And I'm just sitting there going, no, it was wine. <laughs> so he, he tried to spin that in the, like in the middle of the wedding. Yeah. Like, like, so I guess in the Episcopal church would be sort of like the institutional narrative part, um, of, of, the service and he's like yeah so jesus took a cup of grape juice well it could have been wine oh my gosh that's funny jesus took the welches and said <laughs> the antioxidants are great guys <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> tom uh what was your experience with drinking <laughs> there was no experience of drinking drinking I mean, my it wasn't in our house. It was taught that it was, you know, a sin. So, and I knew that my grandfather, my dad's dad, had had a, a problem with alcohol that I had grown up hearing about. He was a, a golf pro. He ran a couple of golf courses. He was pretty well known in Tulsa in the 50s and 60s, and he... um 
I, I have all these newspaper articles of him at my house. And I wish I had known the guy, obviously a neat guy, but it's a Joe Dolman, champion coffee drinker, sometimes drinks two pots of coffee a day. And my dad said, those were half full of whiskey, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) So he didn't wait very long, apparently, in the day. But but I had no really personal experience of it until college. And I think I had it once or twice in college with barbecue. And then um, really not until my late 20s did I have any real experience. Yeah. We were... um, We... It was it was a no no in our house growing up, and uh, that my parents didn't drink to my knowledge. Um, there was never any alcohol around or anything like that. I'd go to a friend's house occasionally, and there would be beer in the fridge, and I th- I thought, <laughs> you know, I mean, what's my first thought on everything? Unfortunately, uh, it's like, oh my gosh, they're gonna go to hell, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and. And I later found out that his, the guy's doctor had told him to drink a beer every day or something like that. And and because this was a guy that went to church, um, and so in in you know in very young minds, you're you're trying to calculate all this. And it's like, wait a second, how come you know? And and that was what I recall being told. And so, um, but it was. Why would somebody's doctor tell them? I think that's the kind of thing they said to little kids. Is that it? Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's I and I've thought about that too, but I mean, what would I? I of course, I'm going to accept this. You know, that goes back. But that's possible. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not right. You, in my mind, you know, the 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 one beer of the '80s is now the one glass of red wine in of the whatever we're in <laughs> 2019s or whatever. Well, you know, probably so. true. So, um, who knows? You know, I, I think that's interesting. Um, I can remember, um, I'm going to tell a story now. <laughs> I can remember we came back from, um, my family went to the Bahamas one time and br- bought these little statues and I can remember bringing them back and they were little, uh, Bahamas like statues and there was liquor in them. And I don't think my mom knew and we, would, oh. we would take them down and you could popped the head off of them. It was a cork and it, it was rum, I'm guessing, you know, or something like that. And we tasted, I say we, it was probably me and my friends, not my brothers or anything. And, and, um, but there was no alcohol. That was a sin. Even though we kept our checkers in a crown Royal bag and, and that never dawned on me until later in life. I'm like, wait a second, where'd the crown Royal bag come from? <laughs> so, um, anyway, it was a when I was, crown crown royal bag. That's what I kept my marbles in. Is it? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> when I was in college, Justin, I remember I was at the university church there. It was close to campus, and the preacher in front of twelve hundred people said, "The consumption of alcohol is at all times sinful." And he said, um, "Jesus did not turn water into wine because." That is a sin. Drinking wine is a sin. And if he had turned water into wine, he wouldn't be the sinless son of God. Gosh. I was the most hardcore. <laughs> I was taking notes, and I remember I dropped my pencil. Because <gasps> I always took notes in sermons. And, uh, yeah. The boldness. Yes. You know, the boldness. Well, um, it's, <clears throat> it's funny that, that Tom says that because of, 
a mutual f- a friend of, of ours I was talking to this week about the passage of the water and from wine. And, you know, he, he can remember the, the times where it, it was instructed why it wasn't really wine and, you know, just the extent to sort of explain away mm-hmm. this story, which clearly, clearly the story in John is as well. Wow, most people wait until everyone's drunk before they give out the good wine. You know, or before they give out the bad wine, the bad wine, right? right. You've right. you've you've waited to bring the good wine out now, and um, you know, and, and he said, you know, I had a, you know, that was a passage that was really hard. Hmm. And you know, that well, this friend comes from the same denomination I grew up in, and that that denomination institutional memory is broken because. <laughs> They were all um, taking real wine with communion until prohibition. That was the norm. <gasps> and because that's what the scripture says, and they wanted to be a scriptural scriptural church. So they there are still some holdouts in Kentucky, um, <laughs> you know. They were used but, uh, by Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, and it, it almost split, there was a point where it almost split the that church. Oh my Until gosh. the holdouts finally gave it up because it was such a huge deal to stop drinking wine. It doesn't say grape juice in the scriptures. It says wine. Well, if you and, go back to the Greek, it's it's definitely grape juice. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Sorry. What's in, what's interesting is in in Oklahoma at one point there was an attempt to um to ban alcohol even for <laughs> religious purposes oh, gosh. um and and the, the catholic church sued and and won <laughs> on the basis of uh, freedom because uh, freedom of religion so we had a retreat recently our church with a few it's an ecumenical retreat with a few uh, baptist churches here in town and they wanted to do communion, and they wanted to, they said, we don't, won't do us any good to do it our way, you know, part of this, this is an ecumenical retreat, so um, can we do uh, your way of <laughs> communion? I said, sure, you know, that's exciting, <laughs> you know, and we welcome all Christians, regardless of denomination, to the table, so yeah, that's great. So I broke out the wine, and they're like, wait a minute, Did, where's the grape juice? Oh, they meant. I said, if we're sharing a cup and it's winter, you want there to be alcohol in this glass because um, it's not going to be good. You know, you're spreading sickness. The whole point of the alcohol, it kills germs in a common cup. And uh, so they went along with it and they got in trouble when they got home. But uh, (laughs) they're letting their kids drink. Well, one of them did. One of them didn't. But. It wasn't drinking, it was communion, you know. But they wanted, and then they said, well, could we do one cup? Could we do separate cups with little, you know, for the Baptist? I said, I thought you wanted to do this in a new way. That You know, the whole point of this was, anyway. Hmm. Interesting. But, you know, I work with a lot of homeless and um, mentally ill here at our church, and... I would rather have someone come to the door who's coming off of meth than someone who's coming off of a night of drinking mouthwash. Oof. Because oh. it is 
much worse, in my opinion. It's the only times I have felt unsafe here was when somebody was, you know, really drunk. Mm. And uh, so I get the I get the urge to make strict laws, especially if you're spending spend much time um, working with folks. Right. Seeing that side of things. Right. 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 See, and that's where I think that, um, you know, and I think that has something I would say, I would love to say that that type of thinking, um, the boldness, the certainty, the teetotaling, those kinds of things are being called into question and are slowly dying away. But there's also, in many ways, something that we have to, God, you used a beautiful term. Did you say institutional uh, memory loss? What did you say a minute ago? Yeah, we... (laughs) Denominational... Whatever. They have institutional memory loss. Yeah, yeah. Um, where we have to understand why this came about. Now, you mentioned um, that. Uh, oh man, I'm skipping around. Uh, the, the 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 prohibition. Thank you. There's a uh, is why they stopped doing that. So that's one thing. But I'm just I'm saying is like we maybe don't understand always why people do this. And so, but at one time or another, and I've been told this, it was like. You know, someone, some preacher from the pulpit said, just lie to your kids. Just tell them, you know, tell them they can never drink because this, you know, because they go to hell and, you know, whatever it is. And I remember someone finally, you know, revealing, it's like, oh, that's kind of why they did all this. You can't do anything uh, because, you know, it's just easier to say, instead of working through and sitting down and having complex discussions and, you know, saying, okay, well, it's good in this, you know, it's good in this, uh, what am I trying to say? A time and it's not good in this time is and too much is not good and just this is okay and stuff like that let's just say it's all bad and that way we just you know nip it in the butt now and we're done and um, so it's a lot easier to live in the extremes than it is in the actual place where we're supposed to live which is with uh, attention yes with attention and it's important to remember you know prohibition um came about as a result of what they saw as um, the result of the abuse of alcohol and so mistreatment of children, the abuse of women, um, thank you, Evan. fighting. Good. And, and so, I mean, so, so, so the, 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 um, thing on prohibition was we're going to, um, you know, we're going to, um, we're going to solve, you know, we're going to solve a societal problem this way. Right. Right. I think it's I think it's interesting where, <clears throat> excuse me, I was thinking about that the other day um, because the liquor stores close at nine. <laughs> because if the liquor stores were able to stay open all night, they would be revisited throughout the night. <laughs> because when you run out of alcohol at one a.m., what's the last thing you want to do? You just stop drinking. <laughs> so people would attempt to get back to the liquor store. So. A societal law is that liquor stores, I guess in Oklahoma, I assume this is everywhere. I, I, you know what? I don't even know. But those kind of things, I, it's funny. I didn't know we were going to go down this route, but it's an interesting route with this discussion. <laughs> um, so to me, the two questions are, if I'm listening to this and I'm a fundamentalist or coming out of it, is it wrong? If it's not wrong, why isn't it wrong? Is it okay? If it is okay... How can you how can you tell me and 
How much is okay? Which is where the whole episode I thought would go, but we, <laughs> but I think it's taken a good uh, arc, if you will. So let's get into it. Um, at some point, uh, well, let's start with the the obvious. Did Jesus drink grape juice? <laughs> Ever? Well, it, you know, I. <laughs> I mean, so fermenting wasn't really invented until Mr. Welch came along, so it, it's unlikely. Um, but, you know, it's, historically, um, you know, things like beer and wine were often used as a way of getting liquid um, in safe ways because you weren't always sure if your water was safe. Right. So, you know, um, beer and wine were a way of getting liquid without worrying that you were going to kill yourself with a amoebic dysentery or something. Right, because the water, you, you never know what it's been flowing through or with. Um, right. And so, you know, the the streams running down the the places in town and the alleyways and the streets <laughs> are, are running along with other icky things. And so your water there, you never know. So the just like um, I think Tom saying when passing the cup, if it's alcohol, it has more likelihood of killing any you know thing that we would pass around, if you will, any germs. So same kind of thing. Is that it? So if you had a little bit of water, you would mix in a little bit of wine, which would kill the germs. That's kind of the idea, or whatever. I'll just use germs. <laughs> Is that right? I gave them a clean drinking source right and it was also a medicine had medicinal use you know like first timothy five twenty three, he tells him paul stop drinking only water and use a little wine for your stomach and your frequent illnesses so he's um telling him this is for medicinal uses you know so this is nyquil um mm. by our standards i guess interesting which is loaded with alcohol. Right. right. Yeah, and I, I remember reading an article a few years ago, and it was like, if you, uh, you know, if you have a stomach bug, one of the best things you can do is drink a glass of red wine. And, um, Everett. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because of its ability to kill, kill germs. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I have never heard that. <laughs> I mean, I know I've heard... I've been, I've heard, uh, you know, a glass of red wine a day, you know, and the doctor does say it's like, um, you know, a glass or two of red wine a day can be a good thing. Don't start drinking glasses of red wine just because it can be a good thing. <laughs> you right. know, if you don't already drink wine, don't start is what he's saying, uh, basically. Um, okay. So, so then let's jump into, um, Jesus was called a glutton and a drunkard and, uh, so on in Matthew eleven nineteen, and so was this something to where you know in the wedding at Cana has already been mentioned. Is this something to where this is this is a party? These are you know these were huge at Cana. the The purification jars that were turned from water to wine were I don't know six hundred gallons of I don't know. Someone help me out. I'm actually asking here. Um, they were huge containers that were turned to wine. It's it's six thirty gallon jars. They were used they were used for mikvah or ritual washing. Right. And Jesus turns them into the best wine. So it's the equivalent of seven hundred and fifty ish bottles of wine. 
<laughs> so um, in the background, which I researched for my sermon. This was the lectionary last Sunday. <laughs> so there's a party so imagine going that on. if this is like ten dollar quality bottle of wine, this is seven thousand dollars. You know, but it's probably by our standards, if you say the best wine, we're talking a hundred dollars a bottle or more. Right. So this is a this is a kingly gift. Right. Um, so. And it's also important to remember that weddings were like week-long affairs. Right. So this wasn't like wine just to drink that night. Like, okay, everybody, we got to drink 180 gallons of wine tonight. Mm, okay, um, okay. So it would it likely would have been used, um, you know, continued to be used throughout the week. And that's the other thing. So this was <laughs> not a party. Like, if we say um, party in our culture, especially if you're in a in a evangelical world they're gonna think of a frat party you know <laughs> this was a feast there's a difference between a feast which is a theological thing and a party do you know what i mean so that's i mean that, real yeah good go, go ahead i was gonna say that's that dilly dilly different dilly dilly. <laughs> so that's that difference of the spectrums and um, and how we just talked about holding the tension in in how we sit with things is that it's like okay no it was grape juice or no they were partying they were drinking you know six hundred gallons of wine or whatever whatever you said one hundred eighty sorry one hundred eighty gallons of wine you know and um, and that's the difference is we want to give ourselves permission to you know live it up and party just like the wedding at Cana or not at all you know that's kind of the spectrums but in reality as you said this is a feast they're sitting down they're sharing meals they're it's it's all about hospitality and the groom catering to everyone there and having a, and running out of wine uh, as a lesson that uh, Whit Gatewood gave this week in our children's chapel he was like you know think about that groom if he ran out of wine and it's Tuesday you know and you got a whole five days left to go or something like that it's pretty embarrassing and so it's something that Jesus used to show grace to the groom too and so but we tend to take that spectrum as like you know no it wasn't wine or it's like look they party all night so can we you know so right so and i think it's, it's important to remember i mean you know saint paul you know he, you know he warned against you know don't be like the the, the gentiles who are drunkards and right you know so i i i I think within our Episcopal tradition, we also need to do some soul searching about what the proper use of alcohol is. So there has, for there to be a feast, there has to be a fast, right, Everett? Uh, yes. You can't have a feast without a fast. I Explain think that's what, that, please. Well, if you're all, I think this is the American. Part of the reason we don't understand this is because we're talking about, for the most part, American Christians. And we live in a permanent state of feasting. We're always, mm, we have okay. all, all the food available we want, all the drink available we want. You know, we can eat meat seven days a week. Whereas these ancient Jewish folks, you know, they would have been cultivating these herds of cattle for years preparing for this wedding feast mm. you know they would have gotten to eat meat rarely they would have been saving that wine for this occasion of their daughter's wedding um especially because this scripture tells us this was obviously a poor family based on the situation um they ran out of wine before they had the chance to even dilute it which you would have done 
towards the end of the feast. So there, and we don't, we don't live in that world. We don't ever know what it's like to go without. And I didn't grow up having Lent and Advent where I was told to uh, fast for a while or give something up. So, and I think that's why we only, we only understand of it in terms of a party. Right. There's a di- there's a difference between a it's between you know throwing off all inhibitions and just blowing off steam and having this celebration of life and gratitude like in Ecclesiastes um, we see that expressed that Jewish idea of the meal and the celebration after a period of mourning or fasting where you have the celebration and he says eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart. That's nine, seven. Um, so we have to reclaim that idea of fasting and feasting. I think I'm really, yeah. And, um, I read an article, um, earlier this week that was written by an Orthodox priest and he was talking about the lack of, um, the lack of fasting. And so uh, he said that at one time it was common prior to Thanksgiving to spend some days of fasting. So then Thanksgiving was really a celebration and a feast. But really what we've done is we've now created like a six week window where we do nothing but feast (laughs) from Halloween on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, that's a, um, the explanations that you guys just gave, is that it makes so much sense. I feel like we're hearing Tom's sermon from Sunday. <laughs> you <laughs> are. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay because that education, now hopefully everyone listening has a new light. I mean, you you guys have me over here. I'm venturing off in my mind about Lent, and I'm thinking, well, maybe I should give up coffee. <laughs> because I, I, you know, if I want coffee... I'll go fix it or walk out the door for coffee. It's, you know, it, it used to be alcohol. <laughs> if I want alcohol, I'll go get it whenever I want to or feast. If I want to feast, I'll go feast whenever I want to, whatever it is. Why uh, don't you just whip your back with a cat of nine tails too, Justin? Ah, good one. Good one. Giving Save, up coffee. Saving me. Saving me. But it's good. Uh, it, but I'm that's kidding. where we go. That's where the human right. goes. I'm going to put it all off. On Monday, everything starts over. It's always on Monday. <laughs> Which is funny. It's that delayed. But this weekend, by gosh, I'm going to you know party it up. And so we get to that world. And I think, oh, man. Um, sorry, there's so many places to go. And I think I say that every episode. But we tend to, again, go back to the spectrums. Uh, but I think having that information about what was really going on in that first century culture about what's happening at that wedding and how they prepare for it, we don't do that. I don't do yeah. that. Um, I don't know anyone that does that. I don't know anyone who, who and I know you just said, Everett, some people fast before Thanksgiving. I think that's beautiful because it really puts that emphasis on the presence of of being present at Thanksgiving and what it is. Being thankful, before. right? You have, right. The, you have this Advent. feast even leading yeah. in that time of Advent up to the birth, to Christmas. Um, it's just, it's a great thing. Um, can I, can, yeah, can let me, let me interject um, something that also um, another argument historically for not drinking um, okay. alcohol was that you could be a stumbling block to somebody. Oh, right. So you don't know the who idols may meet. have a, right. You don't know who might have a problem with alcohol. And so, you know, if you 
you may be causing someone to stumble. Um, and I, I, I do think, you know, and I, you know, I know that, you know, a lot of our church events, you know, we may, you know, have beer or wine, um, that's, that's present. And I've never seen anyone, um, abuse it, but, you know, in my mind, I'm also sitting there saying, you know, what if there's somebody here who is really wrestling with alcohol and, um, you know, is this, is this causing them to stumble? Yep. That reminds me each time of, you know, if, um, if someone around you has the problem, this is Paul. Tom will tell us where it's at. <laughs> if someone has a problem with you eating the meat sacrificed to idols, then don't do it. You know, abstain from it. And so, even though we know that that doesn't matter, right? Even though it doesn't you matter, may, you may you may cause them to slip back into pagan worship. Right. What is that? First Corinthians. Ooh, watch out. Eleven. Ooh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know it's First Corinthians. I just, so I just like to throw it out. You guys will pick it up. It's and tell not us where it's First at. Corinthians eleven. <laughs> um, of course not, eight. Tom. <laughs> That's great. Um, All right, so we're 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 wrapping here. So, um, but Romans fourteen, I think, is the better one. It's the one nobody ever goes to, but it's. Um, I was just thinking this. He says, Me too. it talks about Me not too. destroying the work of God for the sake of food. It says all food is clean, but don't cause someone to stumble. It's more concise is what I think. And it says yeah. it's better not to eat meat or drink wine. It will cause your brother or sister to fall. So you can take that too far, though. But, How does that apply um, to your retreat, Tom? <laughs> what retreat? Oh, your well, we retreat. were not we were not eating and drinking. We were taking communion. Oh, so okay. I don't okay. think That's it applies. But, um, I, yeah, that that reminds me. I was I was invited to celebrate communion at a major um, Christian university in the Tulsa area. I'm not going to say <laughs> which one, um, but. You know, um, it doesn't seem like there's many choices over it. <laughs> well, I didn't say which one. And um, anyways, the the guy I was talking to, and and he said uh, he said, now we use grape juice, but when we have folks like you who come to celebrate, uh, we just you know just bring some wine to pour in there, um, and that should meet your your qualifications because in the Episcopal Church you have to use wine. Um, you, you, you grape juice is not. Um, you know, it's not an option. There is some alcohol-free wine that, that you can use if you're hmm. like in a recovery community. But hmm. um, you know, have you seen the uh, the? Uh, is that really true? Where does it say that? I mean, it's true. Ever said no one, so, Tom? No one ever told me that. <laughs> Get with the program. <laughs> Go ahead. Please. Sorry. Okay. okay so, um, okay, uh, we'll, we'll we'll pause. And um, we still have more to talk about here as well as, as cussing with no G. And that's exactly how the title is going to be spelled. What about smoking? Smoking. Oh, gosh. Watch out. And so um, we'll pause and uh, pick this up again in our next episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate everyone. And may the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at at fun drain pod we'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest 
future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.